In uh, asking the Lord, seeking the Lord about my part today, this, this morning, I believe I'm impressed with these specific verses, if you'd turn there, John 14 and Ephesians 4. John 14, 30, and also we'll be going to Ephesians 4. Jesus said, and this was very near the end of his earthly ministry, right before he went to the cross. He said, hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world comes. Who is the prince of this world? 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 also calls him the God, little g, of this world. The God of this world. One of the biggest, most injurious lies that most of the church believes is that God is in control. Are y'all with me, friends? It's one of the biggest, most damaging lies that millions of church-going people believe. Now, I mean, it depends on what you're talking about. In one sense, yes, universally, God's plan is going to be fulfilled and his desired outcome over the course of all the generations and the course of time His plan will be fulfilled. Doesn't mean you have to be a part of it. You understand what I'm saying? God is not making anyone do anything. And so he is not controlling everything that everybody's doing down here. That should be obvious. He taught us to pray. He taught the disciples, taught us to pray. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Well, if God's will is already being done on the earth, why pray that it would be done? What is the crime rate in heaven? Poverty. How much poverty in heaven? How much sickness in heaven? How much cruelty and and violence? You know why? Because God is in control. (laughs) right and soon and very soon there's going to be new heavens and new earth wherein is no curse and the devil's going to be removed oh thank God from human contact and when that happens have you read the back of the book no more pain no more sorrow no more crying no more dying why because God will be in control But right now, down here, the only place God is in control is where people are yielding to him. People have received him and yielded to him. And notice what the master goes on to say. He said, the prince of this world is coming. And he has nothing in me. Oh, don't you like that? What a statement this is. Near the end of Jesus' earthly ministry and walk, a summary statement. He's basically saying, "This the time is done with this. There's no more time for us to talk or do things. The devil's coming. The prince of this world is coming. He knew what was in front of him. The scourging, 
the mocking, the crucifixion, the, the going to the heart of the earth. He knew all that was in front of him. But listen to this statement. The prince of this world, the devil, God of this world. He has nothing in me. Oh, come on, say that out loud by faith. He has nothing in me. The Amplified says it like this. The prince of the world is coming. He has no claim on me. He has nothing in common with me. There is nothing in me that belongs to him. Don't you like that? There's nothing in me that belongs to the devil. Now you might think, well, that's, that didn't need to be said. Apparently it did. <laughs> it's not even possible that there could have been something. Well, you must be wrong. Or he wouldn't have said this. Anybody can yield to the enemy and allow him access Any believer can. And you can have something of the enemy in your life. Shouldn't. Don't have to. But many, many do. But Jesus said, there's nothing in me that belongs to him. And, and he has no power over me. Those two do go together. If he's got something in you, he's got some access to you, he's got some control over you. Not because he's stronger than you, but because you or me gave it to him. Now go with me to Ephesians, fourth chapter. What do you know about the truth? The truth that you walk in, that you continue in, will make you free. There is an enemy. There is a devil. He goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may, may, may devour. That means there are some he may and some he may not. Who are you? I'm a may not. I'm a may not. (laughs) Now the devil doesn't show up in a red suit with horns and a pitchfork. To try to devour you. Right. He never comes that way. No. In fact, he transforms himself into an angel of light. He comes purporting that God sent him. That he's from God. And his chief tactic is deception. He's the father of lies. Lying didn't exist till the devil fathered it. Now, uh, Ephesians 4, did you get there? Ephesians 4.22, the Spirit of God through Paul said, Put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying. Would you need to write to Christians and tell them to quit lying? (laughs) These guys were called the saints at Ephesus. 
Put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we're members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. So he doesn't just mention anger. He mentions it twice here. With anger and wrath. And he says, neither give place to the devil. The understood subject is you. You are not to give the devil place in you. And I want you to notice two specific things he just mentioned that will do that. Lying and anger. Because that's what led up to this don't give place to the devil. Lying gives place to the devil. And anger and rage gives place to the devil. If you yield to it, you give him access into your life and into part of you. And if he has something in you, he has some control. Let's keep reading because this comes up again uh, on down to the end of the chapter. Verse 28. Let him that stole steal no more. That'd be another way of yielding to the enemy. Rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needs. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. That's another way of giving place to the enemy. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. You know, what we call cussing, profanity, is not just about four-letter words or whatever, because, you know, things are different in different languages. It's a spiritual thing. Words are containers. And when somebody vehemently cusses, you can feel it. Right? And what makes this thing evil is not just the word, just the letters that spell the word, it's the content. Words are like cups. You can put all kind of things. You you can take the word hello, H-E-L-L-O, hello. And you can put 50 different things in it. You can go Hello. 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 You can put all kind of different things in that same word. Words are containers. Well, what we call cuss words, curse words, profanity, you'll find that every one of them has the intent to demean, to belittle and to demean. And none of that is ever from God. The devil is the demeanor, the belittler. All of these words are an attempt to try to make somebody feel less. Such things should never be found in our mouths. Is that right? And watch about cuss word substitutes. Like darn. That's just a substitute for damn. Come on in with me. What are you trying to express? What are you trying to communicate? Do words matter? Life and death. 
is in the power of the tongue. We don't want to minister any corruption. We don't want to minister any death. We only want to minister what's good to the use of edifying. This still is talking about don't give place to the devil. Why? Because the enemy is not flesh and blood. And he can't express himself in this physical world without vehicles. If nobody on the planet would yield to the devil, nobody would receive and think his thoughts, nobody would say his words, nobody would do his actions, it would be like there was no devil. He'd be like behind a plate glass, looking in, but unable to express anything or do anything. He's got to get somebody to yield to him. He's got to get somebody to give place to him. And the more a person gives place to the devil, the more evil they become. They take on his nature and become like him and they do his works, which is stealing, killing, destroying. Similar thing is true with the Holy Spirit. You'll find dark places in the earth where you don't sense the presence of God. You don't sense good things. It's not that he's not there. It's just nobody's yielding to him. But the more we yield to the Holy Spirit, we take on his nature, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, hallelujah, and we speak his words, and we do his deeds, and God is manifested in the earth. Keep reading. This is, what was that, verse 29? Let's read the rest of it. Grieve not. The Holy Spirit of God. Yielding to the enemy is going to grieve the Holy Spirit. Because he's in you. And you letting something in. Our our body for instance is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yielding to the enemy is going to irritate the Holy Spirit. Who's in you. He's going to tell you there's no room in here. (laughs) For anything of the enemy. I'm occupying you. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God whereby you're sealed to the day of redemption. Keep reading. He says it again. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking, he's recapping, be put away from you with all malice. Why? Because if you let it in, you're giving place to the enemy. Let it be put away from you. And what? Be kind. Everybody say kind. kind. Well, the devil's not kind. That's right. If you're being kind, you're yielding to kindness. Yeah, that's right. No matter how you feel. Did you know you can be kind when you feel mean? Amen. You can be. Oh no, somebody did you did you hear that? I'm I'm actually talking about being spiritual now. Huh? You can feel mean. And have a bunch of thoughts and feelings rush to you. And you say, let me tell you something. I love you. <laughs> and the Lord loves you. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go pray for you somewhere else. I'm going to go pray for you. <laughs> Can you? Can you do that? If you don't do that, you wind up, if you 
The Bible said be angry, but don't sin. Don't lie, don't steal. Don't don't let corrupt things come out of your mouth. Don't, Don't yield to bitterness and anger and wrath. If I don't catch myself, I will be giving place. And I can wind up saying things that I shouldn't have said. That the enemy can use to hurt people and bring back to their remembrance and torment them. Years to come. One of the most unpleasant things is to realize that you've let the devil use your mouth or your hand or whatever to do the devil's will. You've let him use you to manifest and say what he wanted said, get his thoughts out, do what he wanted to do. Have you ever... Experience. Now, don't raise your hand. Just look straight ahead and smile. I'm, I'm just asking so you think. But maybe you're married. And have you ever experienced an intense discussion with your spouse? Like I said, don't raise your hand. Just look straight ahead. And during the course of this discussion, have you ever found that you just begin remembering all kind of things they did wrong and details about it and and just were able to express it very exactly. I mean, it's, it's like you're inspired. <laughs> because you are. But it's not the Holy Spirit. Uh, you remember everything they ever did wrong and, and the feelings with it. The fe- everybody say feelings, feelings. And that's what I believe the Spirit of God wants us to talk about this morning. Anger is a feeling. Rage is a feeling. And what the enemy endeavors to get you to yield to and me to yield to is unreasonable rage, irrational anger. Fear is this way. Fear is not reasonable. I mean, think about Peter walking on the water. And the enemy comes, and and these things are real spiritually, all at once. I, don't ha- I didn't have to be there to know this. Peter is having the experience of a lifetime. He's experiencing the glory and the power of God. He grew up around the water. He's fished on the water. He never dreamed he would be walking on the water. This, this is glorious. And all at once he feels panic. He just feels it. And he looks and the wind splashes a wave. And this thought comes, you can't walk on the water. Look at the wind. Look at the wind. This is irrational. Isn't it? This is unreasonable. You can't walk on the water when there's no wind at all. A perfectly calm day. Mirror smooth lake. You ain't going to walk on the water. That has nothing to do with what's going on here and yet it defeated him. Yep, that's true. It was successful because of that feeling 
accompanied with that thought, regardless of how unreasonable and irrational it was, it worked. And we don't have to ask why. It's worked on you. It's worked on me. Many times. Because we let it. It's a package of intense feelings and thoughts. And here's the thing. Just because something is so real and the feeling is so strong doesn't mean it's true or that it's right. This is a big part of growing up and being spiritual. Immature ones are continually talking about their feelings. It's true naturally, it's true spiritually. Listen sometimes to young ones in their early teens. I feel, I just felt so good, and then I didn't. (laughs) I was having a good day, and then all at once I just felt down. I don't know why. I just, bummer. (laughs) Spiritually, the same thing is true. Up, feel good, you're up. Feel bad, you're down. Feel in between, okay. Hmm. How you doing? How you doing? Oh, I feel good. Didn't ask you that. Your feelings are no indication of how you're doing. Hallelujah. That was worth you coming to church this morning, right there? Yes. Yes, amen. Feelings, oh, are so unreliable. That's true, yes. They're here, they're there. They're up, they're down, they're all over the place. And if you yield to feelings, you will be unstable. Unstable. Undependable. Unreliable. Why? You can have a great job and just not feel like going to work. I just, what happened to you? I don't know. I just, I just felt bad, you know? What's wrong with you? Oh, you know, nothing, but I just kind of had a down day. (laughs) You need to get saved. And start acting like a believer. (laughs) You remember who was it? Brother Smith Wigglesworth says. I don't ask Smith Wigglesworth. How he feels. Smart people stop checking. Spiritual people stop checking. To see how they feel. It's just opening up problems. Right? Because you may feel so great, but if you base how you're doing on that, you're on slippery ground. Because that feeling can change before the afternoon's over. Is that right? And now you're down. I don't live by feelings. I live by faith. I don't walk by feelings. I don't base my decisions on feelings. I walk by faith. We're led by the Spirit of God. Not feelings. Oh, somebody say that out loud. I'm led led by the Spirit of God, God. not Not by how I feel. feel. 
if we are controlled by feelings, we're either unsaved or we're spiritual babies. When you grow up, you learn better. You learn feelings come from all kinds of places and have to be vetted. I mean, you can be walking along just doing great and all at once, you just feel, where'd that come from? And the thing is, people don't stop to analyze it. They they just go, what's wrong? I don't know. I I just don't feel feel, feel. I feel. I I really feel. (laughs) But I don't feel. Quit it. Stop it. Stop telling us how you feel. Stop asking yourself how you feel. Grow up and be a man of God. Grow up and be a woman of God. It's not moved by what they see or they feel or they hear, but are standing on the solid word of God. I have to say, it doesn't matter what I feel. The Lord said this. That's it. Right? Doesn't matter what I feel. I'm not moved by what I feel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. I like what Paul said in the book of Acts when a lot of things were coming against him. At one point he stood up and he said, none of these things move me. Now they'll push on you. They're real. But you don't have to let them move you. Things will come against you. You can't prevent that. Thoughts, feelings, suggestions, temptations, and they can be strong and they can be real. You can't prevent that, but you never have to let it in you. Amen. You can resist it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Reckon you'd have any feelings. You're going, whew, where are we now? In the valley of the shadow of death. Man, weren't you feeling anything there? Mm-hmm. Weren't you seeing anything, hearing anything in the valley of the shadow of death? What did he say? I will fear. No, we might say it like this. I will not fear. I refuse. I will not fear. You're feeling it, but you're refusing to let it in. You're feeling it. You're experiencing it, but you're refusing to accept that. Now, this is amazing, friends. Just because you feel fear doesn't mean you're full of fear. Just because you sense fear doesn't mean you've yielded to fear. And this is how the enemy tricks people over and over again. Because he brings the thoughts. He brings the feeling. It can be an overwhelming feeling of panic. Just hits you in a situation. Or somebody brings some really bad news. And you can, it feels like something physically hits you. It can be so strong. And man, you, you know, you're the hair standing up on the back of your neck. And, 
and you're, you're, your heart's beating fast and, and the enemy will try to convince you, that's it, you've already yielded to it. You can, no, no, that's not it. I can be in the valley of the shadow of death with fear all over me and I can say, I refuse to fear. Fear, I resist you. Get off of me. Leave me. You do the exact same thing with depression. Depression, get off of me. I don't want you. Now, sometimes you need to say this because in times past you did want it. You yielded to it. You used it to get out of things. You used it. To get people to notice you and pay you special attention. You used it. Come on, are y'all listening to me? And if you did, you gave place to the enemy. You you, you said, come on in. I want to use this for a while. Big mistake. So there are times you need to declare and say, I know I messed up and yielded to that. I don't want this anymore. I don't want this anymore. I resist you. Fear, depression, anxiety. Leave me. Get Get out of here. Get out of here. And if you mean business, what did the Bible say? Resist the devil. He's got no choice. But he knows whether you're playing or not. He knows whether you're holding on with one hand saying, leave, leave, leave. (laughs) You can't use it and lose it. (laughs) Go with me, please, to the book of Genesis 4. Let's keep talking about the anger part, but this applies to all feelings. Have you ever felt angry? <laughs> Have you ever felt really angry? <laughs> Again, don't raise your hand, just look straight ahead. Has something never just come all over you? Just, I mean, it just, it just went all over you, and you're like, <sighs> Think about the nature of it. Fear and anger and these things, they're influences. They are spiritual. They're not just emotional. They're not just emotions. They're spiritual influences. Realize there was a moment you didn't feel that. Right? And then something happened and you're feeling this. Oh, it's real. But it's not right. Amen. Real doesn't mean it's right. That's good. That's good. In Genesis, the fourth chapter, you'll see one of the first times the enemy was able to do this. There weren't, what, four human beings on the planet? And the Bible said, Genesis 4 and 5, to Cain and his offering, God didn't have respect. And Cain was what? Very wroth. We probably wouldn't say it like that. He, he, he got into a rage. And it was coupled with depression. His countenance fell. He was depressed and fuming. And just let this sit in him. And sit on him. And verse 6, the Lord said to Cain, what did he say to him? Why are you wroth? Why 
are you so mad? And why is your countenance fallen? Are you dejected and depressed? Why? When God asks you why, he wants a response. What's the answer? Keep reading. Verse 7. If you do well, shall you not be accepted? And if you don't do well, sin is at the door. To you shall be his desire. And and this is kind of King Jamesy, but you need to master this is what he's saying. You you better get a hold of this. Because this is right here. And of course it was. Murder was on the doorstep. It could have been prevented right here. Here's the thing. Cain was mad. He was upset. He was hurt. But the Lord said, do you do well to feel like this? Just because you feel a certain way doesn't mean you have a right to feel that way. Come on, can you see this? And that's what it takes a spiritual man or woman to realize you, you're all worked up, you're all upset, you're all hurt, but to stop and go, do I have a right to feel this way? And to be honest, when the Lord tells you no, no you don't. Did Cain have a right to feel this way against God and against his brother? His brother hadn't done anything to him. It wasn't his brother's fault that he didn't do the best he could do. That's his fault. But see, the enemy wants you to blame somebody else. Because he puts you in a place where you can't get it fixed. If you're blaming them and it's not their fault, when are you going to get this fixed? You're not dealing with the cause of it. You're not even acknowledge what the cause is. And it'll just go month after month. And year after year. And the enemy will keep lying to you. Saying they're your problem. They are your problem. They're in your way. They're standing between you and your happiness. They're standing between you. And the devil's telling him. If it wasn't for your goody goody two shoes brother. Brought his little fancy fluffy sheep out there. God said, oh, isn't that pretty? Isn't that pretty? (laughs) Now you're laughing. This turned into murderous rage. Abel wasn't trying to hurt him. But this is how the devil works. He lies to you. Look at them. Did you see how they looked at you just then? Did you see that? They might have been thinking about cornbread. You know... (laughs) You don't know what they were thinking about. They might have been thinking about taking a nap in an hour or two. I mean, here's a news flash. Not everybody's thinking about you. There's all kinds of people go for days and you never cross their mind. <laughs> but the enemy will say, you see that? Yeah, they didn't even come over. Act like they didn't even see you. What if they didn't see you? Is that possible? And why should the music stop when you walk in? (laughs) 
have a right. Oh, it, it comes. It can come quickly. It can come like a flash, a pain that just pierces you and hurts your heart. And then when you get to thinking about it, it makes you mad. You ain't got no right to treat me that way. And, and never stop. Do I have a right to feel this way? You know what I do? Yeah, but it doesn't mean you should. Yeah, but it's, I feel so strong about it. That's because you've been yielding to it for two weeks. Yes. People sit in the dark and sulk and avoid and won't respond. And everybody's asking them, something wrong? No. <laughs> nothing. 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 <laughs> if folks could have their eyes opened. And see in the spirit what they were nestled up against. First they'd throw up. Then they'd go take five showers. Because they're giving place to something evil. Even though you're a Christian. I didn't say it was in you. But you're yielding to it. Why would Jesus say he has nothing in me? Come on, is that your desire too? Is that how you want to live? He has nothing in him. Well, you can't yield to anger and rage and have that be true. You can't yield to dejection and depression and have that to be true. You got to catch these things. And it's easier when it first starts. That feeling hits you. That thought hits you. You need to stop and go, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. What have I got to be cast down about? After everything God's done for me. After everything he's blessed. My name's in the Lamb's book of life. I mean, what? Why should I go five days and be depressed? Why? What if they don't like me? Who said I was perfect? I mean, maybe I did some dumb stuff to throw them off. But, you know, the psalmist said, even if my mother and father... You know, rejects me. The Lord will take me up. Amen. Yes, yes. I'm never alone. Amen. <laughs> After everything I did for them. After everything. I mean, I gave up the best years of my life for them. I mean, all of that was for them? Then you did nothing for God. And... If you want your payback, you gave them nothing. You're not a giver. You want payback. If you give it, there are no strings. You're not asking for anything in return. If you're wanting some response, you didn't give it. There was no giving involved. You're trading. You want your pay. Go with me to the book of Jonah, please. Let's get another dose. Yes, sir. Yes. Say, ah. ah. <laughs> we'll give you another tablespoon. <laughs> this will immunize you if you'll receive it. This could save you from so much heartache and so much pain. Because so many, I mean, even to the point of divorce, 
even to the point of friends separating for 25 years. People pulling out of churches and ministries and places they should be in. It starts many times with a feeling. Is that right? A feeling. I just don't think they appreciate me. Who said they had to? Do they have to in order for you to do what God told you to do? I mean, all the verses the Lord told you to do, to be faithful, to be loyal, to love, to obey. Is there a parenthesis on those that says, if they appreciate you? Otherwise, you don't have to. No. What he told us to do is not dependent on people's response to it. Good friend of mine in another state, hard worker, him and his wife, they started this church from, and, and they built a brand new sanctuary and facility, beautiful, and, and just worked, worked put, put their money in it, their personal money and all their time and just, just their life into this church and these people. And it came Christmas and, and uh, he called the, uh, the guy at Rama that's over the ministerial association and he said, uh, he said, you need to send somebody to take this church over. He said, what? I thought y'all just got your new building and everything. He said, yeah. He said, but these people don't appreciate us. They don't care whether we're here or not. You need to send somebody. He said, well, now hold on. Hold on. He said, what? What do you mean? He said, do you know what the entire congregation, and it's a fair-sized congregation, the entire congregation got together and gave my wife and I for Christmas? He said, what? He said, a five by seven picture of Jesus. <laughs> the entire congregation <laughs> pulled their resources and to show their great appreciation, they gave us a five by seven picture of Jesus. He said, they don't appreciate us. They don't care whether we're here or not. You better send somebody up here. We're gone. We're leaving. <laughs> and the man he's talking to was a wise man. He said, now hold on. He called his name. He said, no, wait. I know when you went there. I remember you telling me how God directed you, you guys, to go there. How you knew it was God. Has he told you to leave? Has he released you and told you to leave? He said, there was silence on the phone. He said, well, I'm... I, I don't know. I can't say that. But but you better send somebody up here because <laughs> now we're laughing. But have you ever been there? Yeah. What's going on? Yielding to feelings. If you yield to feelings, you can wind up being led by feelings. And if you're led by feelings, you'll be led by the enemy. You're not being led by the spirit. If you're led by feelings. It's amazing. The Holy Spirit can lead you in. To the perfect place. Where you're supposed to be. Joined with other believers in the body. According as God has chosen. You can be led in by the Spirit. And be led out. By an offense. Got your feelings hurt. Got upset. Got mad. Somebody didn't treat you right. I'm done with this. Throw your tools down. Leave your job. Clean out your 
desk. Never even asked the Lord. Why? Got mad. Yeah. Got hurt. Yes. Isn't that the combination with Cain? It is. Mad and hurt. That's how you give place to the devil. That's how he can wind up with something in you that's now controlling and messing up your life. You can be led in by the Spirit, led out by an offense, and wind up out of the will of God. It's so sad. There are so many millions of Christians that are out of the will of God. And they just fumble around from one place to another and trying this and trying this. And they're only here for a little while. Oh, God sent me. God sent me. God sent me. God sent me. Oh, you made me mad. I'm gone. Just like that. Just like that. No praying. In order to grow up, you have to endure some hardness. That's not the most popular message, but... You remember the scripture, you know, the scripture prayers all through the epistles. Some of them I hesitated to pray. In Peter, there's a couple. One of them says, after you suffer a while, the Lord make you perfect. Strengthen, establish, settle you. After you've suffered a while. We faith people don't like that one. We learn like, no, no, we've been redeemed from suffering. No, you haven't. You've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Amen. You've been redeemed from suffering poverty, yes. suffering disease. Yes. You haven't been redeemed from suffering not getting your own way. <laughs> Which is some of the toughest suffering yes. you can do. Yes. <laughs> I've been in places before, you know, where man, I just, I wanted out of there. And I'd put in a request to the Lord. I request a transfer. I'm requesting a transfer. And it came back denied. (laughs) Now what am I going to do? What am I going to do? You know what a lot of people do? I'm out of here. And they're AWOL. Absent without leave, without permission. They didn't ask the Lord. They didn't get direction, permission. They just quit. They just left. Quit their marriages. Quit their families. Quit their church. Quit their job. And after you quit, it gets easier to quit. And after you quit four or five times, you just don't even think about it. It gets a little uncomfortable. Quit. (laughs) Ain't got to put up with this. You sure don't. You don't have to be in the will of God either. You can waste your whole life wandering around too. You can have your say. You can tell people off. You can have your way. And that could be one of the worst things that ever happened to you. Is to get your own way. Because it does not compare with God's plan for your life. But God's plan is going to require some submission. (laughs) You knew the word. Which is a completely unacceptable word in the USA or Europe or Australia or most of the world. Submission. Oh, Brother Keith, we've been delivered from all that. (laughs) That's bondage, Brother Keith. Mm, It's freedom. 
It's freedom, but it requires faith. My, my. You better get to Jonah before we go another direction. Jonah, just four short chapters here. This is a wonderful book. You know the story the Lord told Jonah to go preach to Nineveh? Real simple message. X amount of days, this place is going to be destroyed. And what did Jonah say? Uh-uh. Do you have to do what God tells you to do? No, you don't. No, you don't. Now think about this. God knew Jonah's going to be part of the Bible. Right? <laughs> and even as significant as this is for all generations, he shows you. Jonah's a real prophet. He's not just some fake phony. He's the real deal. And he hears from God. This affects a whole nation. And he goes, no, I ain't doing it. And so he buys a ticket on a ship to get as far away from there as he can. <laughs> but it didn't go as planned. <laughs> and after a few nights in the whale resort, <laughs> or great fish, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> brother, uh, brother Jesse Duplantis said he, uh, you know, he went to heaven and saw. He said he saw some people. One of the persons he said he saw was Jonah. He said he met him. He saw him. Well, he's there. You'll get to meet him. I'll get to meet him. And he thought, you know, this is a theological question that people ask. What was Jonah actually in? Was it a whale? Was it a great fish? Was it this? Uh, Don't get hung up on that. The Bible said God prepared it. If God prepares it, you could live inside a furnace. Right? You know, a gas cloud. I mean, if he puts you a bubble in there, you could. You know, so don't get hung up on that. But he thought, you know, man, here's my opportunity. I get this big answer, you know. He said, Jonah, what were you in? And that day, what were you in? He said, when he said it, he, he knew. He asked the wrong question. He said, Jonah looked at him, you know, didn't smile. He thought, mm, I shouldn't have brought this up. <laughs> you know, Brother Jesse, I mean, he just blazes where no man dares to go. And... Uh, <laughs> And uh, he said, Jonah looked up at him and said, Jesse, I was in disobedience. That's the answer, isn't it? That, that's it. People hung up on if it's a fish or a whale. I mean, you, you, and you miss the main thing. That's being carnal, isn't it? We've all done it. But anyway, after his uh, experience, he came out and he preached. And it worked. And from the king on down, they said, we got to repent. we got to repent. And he proclaimed a fast. And they all repented. And God said, would you look at that? The whole bunch repented. It's not going to come. Judgment's not going to come. They're spared. And Jonah said, what? <laughs> Jonah said, I knew it. I knew it. That's why I ran because I know I get out here, I put myself on the line, I prophesy, my prophetic reputation is on the line, and then they repent and you go, okay, forget it, no judgment. 
Then I'm a false prophet. My prophecy don't come to pass. <laughs> and look at the fourth chapter. Jonah 4.1. It displeased Jonah. Exceedingly. And he was what? Yes. He was what? Yes. Do you think he really felt that way? Yes. The Bible wouldn't tell you he really felt that way. Unless he really felt that way. Jonah is livid. He's, he's not just angry. He's very angry. Keep reading. And he prayed to the Lord. He said, I, Lord, isn't this what I said for I left home? That's why I went to Tarshish. I knew. You're a gracious God. I knew you're merciful. You're slow to anger. Great kindness. I knew it. And that Nineveh bunch, they needed to be wiped out. Everybody around here knew that. And I knew they'd just go, oh, we repent, God, oh, we're sorry. You'd go, okay, forget it. Ah, you repent you of the evil. I knew you're like that. You know, and that's something, you know, when Jesus was in his earthly ministry and the Pharisees and scribes of the law were watching him, on the Sabbath day, there was a man there, you know, that had the withered hand, and they're watching to see that he'll heal him. If he's going to heal him, notice that. These are people that don't like him, a lot, most of them, and so they're looking at each other going, you just watch, he'll heal him, watch, watch. Sick man in the room, Jesus in the room, somebody get him healed today. You watch. You just watch. And they don't believe in it. They don't want it. They just. How many are convinced he is merciful? He is good. He is kind. No matter how serious the situation is. You know, the book of Revelation, it's so amazing over there. He talks about Jezebel, who taught his servants to commit fornication and worship false gods, all this eat food sacrificed to idols and, and how that uh, she and, and hers had space to repent and, and they wouldn't and how judgment's going to come and how terrible it's going to be. But the last phrase says, unless they repent. Amen. Unless she repents. Is this amazing or what? God is so merciful. So merciful if you'll repent. Keep reading. He said, Lord, I beseech you, take my life from me. It's better for me to die than to live. When you're real mad, you say stupid stuff. <laughs> you say stuff you don't really want to happen. Because a lot of people, if they say, I just wish I was dead. And somebody says, okay, stand up. <laughs> then a lot of times you'd go, well, I don't mean right now. Well, shut up then. You Verse 4, the Lord said, now here's the same thing, very similar to what he said to Cain. Do you do well to be angry? James, you know, says, let every man be what? Quick to hear, slow to speak, and what? Slow, slow to wrath. Why? Because the wrath of man does not work the rightness of of God. And that word can be used here along with well. Do you well to be angry? The wrath of man doesn't work. What God says is right. So you get mad from wrong influences. You're not going to be right about this strong feeling that you have. Do you have a right to be angry? Are you doing right? Are you doing well to be angry? 
Friend, let this question get inside you. And the next time, because there will be a time when some kind of strong feeling of hurt or anger or something comes up to you, make yourself, discipline yourself to stop and get a hold of yourself and go, what right do I have to yield to this feeling, to feel this way? Am I doing well to be angry? Do I have a right to be angry about this? Verse 5. Jonah went outside the city. He sat on the east side of the city. Made him a booth. Sat under it. And he might see what would become of the city. He's kind of hoping they're going to get destroyed anyway. (laughs) But he's pretty sure they're not. And the Lord God prepared a gourd. Made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head. To deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceedingly glad of the gourd. A plant grew up. There's big leaves over his head. The sun's not knocking him out. He's happy. But then God sent a little worm over there the next morning. (laughs) He chewed on the vine. And it died. And it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did rise... (laughs) God kicked up the wind. (laughs) And the sun beat on Jonah's head till he was fainted and he wished himself to die. And he said, it's better for me to die than to live. Here I am. My prophecy's not coming to pass. It's 130 degrees. (laughs) It's awful. Just let me die. Let me die. Let me die. And Jonah said to God, now this is the second time. What does he say? Are you doing right? To be so mad? Jesus. You doing well? You doing right? Come on. Try, try to look at it from God's perspective. Yeah. You say, I am so mad. I am so mad. I am so mad. Do you think they make an announcement in heaven? Look, Susie's mad. <laughs> whoop de No, she's really mad. Okay, okay. She's really mad. The earth still turns. Why are you so mad? Could it be because you're such a baby? You just, feelings hit you and you just yield to them and go with them for days and weeks at a time. You let the enemy into your feelings and mind and emotions and just go with them. Do I have a right to feel this way? Do I have any reason to feel this way? Am I doing well? Because Jonah at this point. All of his rage is focused over the gourd. <laughs> my gourd. My gourd. My gourd. And. <laughs> not my lord. My gourd. And. <laughs> and he, he said. You better believe I got a right to be angry. I'm angry enough to die. This is a prophet. Got to remember. Verse 10. The Lord said. Think with me just a little bit here, Jonah. Just a little bit. You upset about this gourd? Yes, I'm upset. You didn't work for the gourd. You didn't make it grow. Came up in a night. It was gone in the night. And you are so upset about this. And should I not spare Nineveh, that great city, 
wherein is more than six score thousand persons that can't tell between their right hand and their left. These are kids. Children. There's that many children. And all these animals. You don't care about that? He was just yielding to his feelings. And it was unreasonable. It was irrational. He wasn't seeing what a good thing. That scores of thousands of children are not going to die. You're not happy about that? We don't want to judge him. But just realize how the enemy works. To bring a feeling and a thought to you and get you to focus and fixate on one thing until you become oblivious to everything else and not realize that the enemy is playing you, playing you. Come on, say it again. I don't live by feelings. Feelings don't control me. Now they'll come. Oh, they will come. And they are real. And some of them are powerful. And you'll have to mean business not to give in and not to yield to them. But you're not just feelings, you're a spirit. You're created in the likeness and image of God. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Hallelujah. And you can do all things through the anointed one who strengthens you. That includes not yielding to these feelings. Don't say you can't because the Lord said you can. Somebody say, I can. I can. I can do all things through the anointed one. Hallelujah. I don't have to yield to these feelings. I don't have to yield to these things. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God for being free. Go with me. I think I got one more, one more scripture for you. Romans 12. Romans 12. You know one thing you'll see, I won't take the time to go into it, but you'll see it in the book of Acts where the enemy got angry mobs together. And there were times when the Bible said the, the city was filled with confusion and the most part didn't even know why they're there. We're protesting something. What? I don't know, but I'm against it. <laughs> Somebody needs to die. Now you're laughing? This is reality. We've seen some of this in our own country. Just mindless rage. And you try to pinpoint folks about what it is, and they just cuss and scream and yell. How many remember, you know, there were times when people in the Bible, they tore their clothes and, and they yelled. And that's the enemy. And anytime you see a mob starting to form like that, get yourself out of there. I'm telling you, even if you got your sign, whatever, get your sign and get out of there. Because the enemy is shaping this thing to do three things. Steal, also known as looting. Y'all with me? And what? Kill. Do people die in these mobs? Sad. It's such a terrible waste. For what? What was accomplished? Steal, kill, and destroy. Because he knows if he can get people in a mindless rage, they will do things they don't even half realize they're doing. He's doing it through them. 
And he does have something in them. Don't be a part of this. Don't be a part of it. Where there's strife, what else is there? Every evil work. We shouldn't be a part of that. The Holy Spirit's the spirit of peace. Peace. Romans 12, verse 17. Romans 12, 17. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Don't say, you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. That's like an unsaved man or woman. That's ungodly. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible... As much as lies in you, live peaceably with all men. What does that mean? You can't control everybody. And so no matter how nice you may act, still there may be people that don't like you and want to yell, scream, and cuss. But if it's up to you, things should calm down. As much as you have control over, live peaceably. Now, now you... You wouldn't have to even say this to people that agree and, and believe like you do. This is applying to people that don't believe like you do. Right? right? Yep, right. They don't believe like you at all. And you can disagree without being mean. Right? right? Yes. I had a fellow a few years ago, he was trying to explain his point of view to me. And, and I was smiling and saying, yeah. And he said, you understand that? I said, yeah. And he said, so, so, such and such, such and such, and so you understand that? I said, yeah. Hey, he said, so you agree? I said, no. <laughs> he said, well, I thought you said you understand. I said, I think I do understand what you're saying, but I don't agree. No, no. And I smiled when I said it. Come on, are with me? Do I have to be mean? Do I have to be? No, no, no. Bible said, be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Keep reading. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. I'm going to make them pay is devilish. I'm going to get them back. And even if you don't say it, make it a note. (laughs) I remember you is devilish. And here's the thing about it. It's not just about them and and their safety or whatever. If you do that, because the Bible said love keeps no account of a suffered wrong. It doesn't keep records of who hurt it and what they did. And so it wouldn't be love that would do that. So what would it be? You are allowing the enemy to have something in you that you're carrying this grudge around and this vendetta. And you're making plans to hurt them. That's devilish. I mean, that's like unsaved people do. Don't avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. Give place to God's wrath. And when you realize how serious that is, instead of trying to hurt them, you'll wind up praying for them. Because you don't want what's going to happen to them to happen if they don't repent. And they don't change. For it's written, vengeance is mine I will repay. Can you count on his words? Yes. Man, this is serious. It is very serious. There, there have been people that have tried to hurt Phyllis and myself, tried to hurt the ministry, tried to hurt the church. And, and, and if you really try to do that and have any success in doing it, man, you're in trouble. 
you are in serious trouble because the Lord has made a personal commitment. Has it? He said, I, come on, do you hear this? I will pay them back. Vengeance is mine. I will pay it back. And man, when you realize how serious that is, every, there are all kinds of people that look like they got away with stuff. But this life ain't the end. This is not the end. Nobody ever gets away with anything. The good news is you can be forgiven and cleansed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you'll repent and if you'll receive. Otherwise, it's going to be bad. Verse 19, I'll repay. The Lord said. Next verse. Therefore, if your enemy hungers, do what? Feed him. If you're really mad at somebody and you really want to get to them, don't try to hurt them. Bless them. That will bother them. What do you mean? If they need something, get it to them. If they're hungry, feed them. Thirsty, get them a drink. In so doing, you'll heap coals of fire on their head. Why? Because you are the last person they want helping them. Not you. Not you. They're believing for something. They're needing something. Here comes the check. Oh, praise God. It's got your name on it. Oh, no, not them. Not them. Not them. Coals of fire. (laughs) So instead of getting mean, instead of getting hateful, instead of trying to get back, go, I got your number. I'm going to love you. Ain't a thing you can do about it. You can't stop me. I'm going to bless you. What you going to do about it? You can't stop me. And God can use it. Hallelujah. He can use it. And the Spirit of God is who's in you. And the devil will have nothing in you. Can you say amen? Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Let's lift our hands. Let's give thanks to the Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in our lives. Thank you for changing us. Thank you for making us into your likeness and image. Thank you, thank you. Close your eyes. Close your eyes and just uh, focus on him. This is not a time for condemnation now about past mistakes. It can be a time for repentance, which means change. Let me lead you in a prayer. And we may pray in the spirit a little bit about it too. Said out loud, Father God, thank you for who you are and what you are. I'm so glad you are not mean, you're not cruel, I'm so glad you're so powerful, what could we do about it? It would be terrible, but you are kind, you are good, 
You're full of compassion. And of tender mercies. Thank you, Father. That's your nature in me. As well. Your love. The love of God. Has been shed abroad. In my heart. By the Holy Spirit. I choose. To yield to him. Not anger. Not rage. Not depression. Not seeking vengeance. I reject that. I refuse that. I refuse. To live by feelings. I choose. To live by this love. To yield to kindness. Gentleness. Graciousness. Goodness. Hallelujah. Thank you Father. Thank you Father. Phyllis. Would you come and close please. Mine is sake pia yeto. Vomaro kesto. You know, I was thinking about am I two things as he was teaching. You know, everybody laughed real loud when he told about the pastor that got the five by seven picture of Jesus. We have to watch that. We here in this church are blessed beyond measure with our people. But think about your pastors. You know, uh, they give a lot. And uh, it's real easy to laugh and say, you know, they got a five by seven picture of Jesus. But uh, what do you give to them? Yeah, they stayed. They stayed for years and years and years and years and didn't leave the will and ministry and, and the things of the Lord. They were solid people. But the reason that I'm bringing that up is this is part of this message. It's real easy to judge what somebody else is doing and not look inside of ourselves and see what we need to do. Then the other thing I was thinking about as he was telling these things is it's real easy to hear about principles and not ever put those principles to practice in our own lives. I was thinking about the very thing he was telling about some of the examples that we had happen in our lives. Well, there was one, when we, we moved to Sarasota, there was this one hanger that we wanted. Well, I didn't as much as he did. It was probably the best hanger on the field, and God's been really good to us to give us these things. Well, we had a contract on it. We were ready to close that day. And the guy that had the person owed money to, it was kind of a, a legal deal. Well, he kind of took the hanger back that morning and said, no, you're not getting it. Well, we could have taken him to court. We had all legal rights to fight it, to get it, to keep it, and Keith had that hanger then. We had every legal right to do that. But we drove away that morning, and we looked at each other, and we said, we're going to have peace about this. We're not going to talk about that man. We're not going to have any evil feelings about that man. 
And it went on for a year and a half, I think, probably. The Lord brought the whole situation back around. One morning I woke up. The Lord woke me up and said, call him. See if he wants to sell it now. I called that very man. Still had a rapport with him. And he sold it to me. Today, that man owned half of that airport land lease, half of that place. He's no longer there. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. But sometimes we have to put our flesh under and let God do what he wants to do. And we have to just zip it. And sometimes for a Cajun blonde, that's hard to do. I'm a little like Jesse. But sometimes we have to let God do it. And if we keep trying to push through, we'll mess up God's plan. And we'll mess up what he wants to do for us. Whether it's a house you're believing for or a car you're believing for or your marriage. That you've got it in such a mess that you keep trying to make that person do what you want them to do. Sometimes it's just time to zip it. And let God fix it for you. Just say, God, this is yours. I'm not going to say another negative word about them. I'm going to trust you to fix this. And put it in his hand. Whether it's your kids, your job, your boss, whatever the situation is. Don't let this morning be about principles only. Think of situations that apply in your life and go out of here and apply it today. Can you say amen? This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.